Thanks for listening to Middle Aged and Mediocre. I'm Cash. I'm Joel. And uh, we are a podcast about all things strange and unusual, death and UFOs, and other creepy, Cults. weird, random ghosts. There you go. Yeah. Not um, just naming things in the room. Again, real quick, we want to warn you up front that this story contains accounts of rape, torture, mutilation, and absolutely horrific sexual assault. I haven't slept since last week. <laughs> that was rough. Uh, if you haven't listened to part one yet, go ahead and stop listening now and go check that out. Yeah. And we'll see you when you get back. Uh, if you have and you're ready to go, then here is part two of the story of the satanic cult known as the Ripper Crew. That terrorized the streets of Chicago in the 1980s. I'm Cash. That is Joel. Juggalo Joel. Juggalo Joel. We're middle-aged and mediocre and vaccinated. Yeah. So. You got your second shot today? Yeah. So we are both card-carrying members. Yep. Of the vaccination club. Uh-huh. Ladies. <laughs> Ladies. Uh, so yeah, your, I think. Does your arm hurt? Can you, uh, it doesn't hurt to you. What one did you get? Uh, I don't know. Moderna? All right. We is both got one? Moderna. Is, is that one of them? Yeah. yeah. That's the Dolly one. Okay. And that's yeah. the one that made you feel like you were dying. Yep. So I'm looking forward to that yep. here in a few hours. Keep an eye on your tits. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I made it about seven, eight hours, and I felt like death. Okay. Well, I got mine at 345, so I'm on okay. the clock. So, yeah, cool. the doctor kind of said that I might end up feeling like I'm half dead. Yeah. But I should be fine. Yeah. So... If it hits you, it'll last for about 12 hours. You'll be all right. Did they kind of, like, dart it into you when they gave you the injection? I can't watch. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I look away. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, he kind of, like... I was holding my mommy's hand. Gotcha. And she, okay. And she had uh, my head... Her was, head on her shoulder. Yep. Nestled into her bosom. I hear and she was stroking my head, letting me just know that everything's going to be all right. And then they stuck me. And you made it through. Yep. You didn't even feel it, did you? I got a lollipop right after. Oh. It was like one of those big oversized cartoons. Yep. Uh, yeah, this doctor kind of like, he didn't like just stand back and throw it. Like, yeah. Which would have been hilarious. Uh, I'd have been totally cool with it if he did. Oh, yeah. But like he did, he held it like a dart. Uh-huh. And then like kind of like had it like pulled his hand back a little bit and then like stuck me. And I was like, that seemed dramatic. And then he like plunged or something yeah, then, into you? Okay. Yeah. But, did he make that noise? Yeah. He, okay. I think he farted. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I know I did. Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> leave, no, your, I, leave your scent. And where did you go for this? Uh, Walgreens. Walgreens. Okay. Yeah. So, so far, so good. I don't have any of the soreness. Mm-hmm. Uh, my shoulder's still yeah, working. Yeah, you're moving pretty good. Um, Probably still be able to pitch next week. Yes. <laughs> won't, won't miss a day of the rotation. I'm, I'm right-handed. It's going to be weird I start trying to throw it <laughs> yeah. my left. I'm like, no, no, I'm vaccinated. <laughs> yeah. Let me it's going to be like a rookie of the year situation <laughs> yes. where now your left arm is just going to be able to throw really fast baseballs. Uh, I felt like a little, uh, not really buzzed or anything, but like I had like, like just like, I could tell there was something new in my body. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, that's the best way to put it. See, that's kind of how it started for me. Like I was at work and I just felt a little lightheaded maybe. Yeah. And I got home and I was fine, but then I... Took a bath and got out of the bath and whew. And then it was all over. Yep. For a few hours. For a few hours, yeah. Just all right. Laid on the couch, uh, going freezing to death while also burning up. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So that should be hit about midnight. Yeah. 
All right, got Here that we go. To. <laughs> Maybe a little early. Yeah. Hopefully after this. I mean, I guess it's good. I don't think I can carry a whole episode. Well, I know uh, I can't. <laughs> oh, shit. I would just rob all your stuff. <laughs> what a dick. Yep. I would know it was you. <laughs> I know you're going to live. I would leave a note that says it wasn't me. Oh, well, okay. Like, hey, Josh, you passed out. I definitely didn't take anything. Well, Love would, forever, Joel. That would completely cover <laughs> everything, then. I would never need to question you yep. about it. All right. Uh, yeah, so we're both vaccinated now, so yep. now we are both. Uh, we're the V team. <laughs> yes, the V team. <laughs> I guess this, uh, we don't have to wear masks anymore, no. is what I'm assuming. Around each other, we don't, yeah. I don't think. So what is it like? We can still make people. Yeah, we can still spread it, Ooh, but we, can, we can't get it. We can spread it real. Well, we can good. get it. We just don't feel anything yeah, from yeah. it. Yeah, and then we can give it to other people. Yeah, we can spread it though. So like, we can kind of use that for evil. Sure. If we want to become, hit I use everything for evil. <laughs> yeah. If we want to become villains, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we can start using that as like our thing. Yeah. All right. There's cool. ways for us to make. You hear that world? Advancements from this. <laughs> Watch out. Hear that world? <laughs> world? Two guys that barely leave their own <laughs> living <laughs> dwellings. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a lot of effort. Speaking of which, we'll probably be off next weekend. Oh, yeah. Talking yeah. About. Good call. Speaking uh, of dwellings. Yeah, this. Uh, I'm leaving my dwelling. A, a new, bigger dwelling. To a new, bigger yeah, dwelling. So, And he said something about, like, fuck the podcast audience. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they don't matter to me. Uh my house is what matters to me, yeah. is what he said. Well, I'm going to be a little busy. Yeah, he said, like, he's, you know, just doesn't have time for you people. <laughs> so, uh, you know, take that for what you will, maybe, guys. Maybe Josh will just put an episode of his other podcast up in his place. Maybe I will. Maybe he'll just start a third podcast. There's you know? an idea. I'll just do a third <laughs> podcast. That'll be next week's episode. All right. <laughs> Uh, I'm the, not even upset about you having another podcast. I can tell. It doesn't even bother me. I can tell that you're not upset about I'm me not. having another podcast called AEWTF. <laughs> Don't talk about it right in front of me, okay? <laughs> Where I, uh, myself and oh, three others. Not me. Talk three about other people. AEW. It takes three people to do what I do. Dynamite. <laughs> Uh, and you can find that on Anchor.fm. I like wrestling. Backslash. This used to be a wrestling podcast. AEWTF <laughs> dash cast. Damn. And we saw how well that worked out. <laughs> it hurt so bad. Uh, yeah. I just thought, but this is your favorite podcast, yeah. right? Okay. And I don't really have to do much for the other one. This is I mean, I have to one. watch AEW, which is, yeah. it goes back and forth. And on this, you don't really have to watch a lot. Yeah, I mean, I just we used to do the movie. Reviews, I just read about murders. Yeah, and things, so you'd be doing that anyway. Yeah, so <laughs> um, I wouldn't. Like, I would not be watching AEW. No, if it was for the. That, like, so, that sounds I like would, a lot more work. Yeah, and it's just your side piece. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you come home to this every night. <laughs> every night. <laughs> In your mind, you're middle aged yeah. mediocre all the time. <laughs> well, that's true. Okay. That is a fact. You're living the brand. I'm about to be even closer to middle agedness here in a couple of weeks. You got a birthday? April 3rd. Ah, I didn't 30. know you had a birthday. Yeah, I was birthed. You were birthed? <laughs> I was birthed. I'll How old will you be? 38. 38? Yeah. So. Closing in on me. Yep. I think if you just stop for a couple of years, <laughs> I'll catch you. I'd be that. I would have to die. <laughs> like I said, I think if you stop. For a All right, years, I'm gonna stop. All right, don't do that, because then I will have to just do this by myself, and you know, rather not. Yeah, probably will stop doing it. Yeah, uh, I'll just have my other podcast. It just, it's just, it's just your head. It's just, <laughs> your, it's just your voice in your head. I mean, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You need me to bounce I don't know off if you're, of I don't even know if you're real. Oh. Well, this is it. Fight Club. <laughs> if I was what you made up in your mind, that would be really fucking sad. <laughs> uh, I mean, I... Well, now that I'm questioning my existence. Yeah, so now that we don't know if either of us are actually real or not. We're vaccinated. We are vac. This is what happens when you get the vaccination, yep. by the way, people. You start to question everything. Everything. Don't do it. Oh! Don't do it! <laughs> we just become an anti-vaccine oh, podcast. Not we. I'll, I'll go get your vaccination. I guess. Yeah. If you want to. Nothing needs to be real. Life's, life's, life's easier when nothing feels real. Yeah, you might as well get it. Like, there were, there was when I was there, there were people that came behind me that had it, like, scheduled to get uh-huh. it to. And this was their second one. But, like, they were still, like... They were like, no, we're still not, I mean, we're not real sure. And I'm like, I mean, you're here. Yeah. Like, <laughs> You're getting your you're, second one. If you showed up, I'm assuming you're getting it. Like, mm-hmm. But I was just like, just get the fucking, just get the fucking vaccine. Just get it. Let's move past this. Yeah. All right. So we're going to get into part two, the conclusion, the rest of the story of the Ripper crew. Uh, what do you remember about the part one? Maybe do like a little review. There is a van. Okay. And uh, a lot of victims. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the victims were, like we talked about, they're probably the ones that did have family members that did get noticed that they went missing. So there's probably a lot more victims that never got never got called, you know, or never got, no one noticed that they were gone. Right. But they did a lot of really bad stuff. They would kidnap women, sometimes hold them for unknown amounts of time, usually discard the body on the side of the road. Four guys, um, really bad dudes. They all had names. And then, like, the leader had a name. Yes. And it was, like, maybe two letters? Was uh, it? No. Okay. It was more than two letters, I yeah, remember more that. more than two letters. <laughs> Chicago van, really bad dudes. Uh, and then, yeah, so... Honestly, the amount of victims is uh, unknown. Uh, like Joel said, there were quite a few. The ones that are, the ones that are known were, like he said, probably people that uh, were looked for. Yeah, had friends, had family. But there's quite a few that were. I mean, because mostly these guys would look for uh, prostitutes, mm-hmm. and you know, mo- like half the time we wouldn't have anybody. Even- Usually, prostitution is your last, like. For, you know your last what, what, am I, what word am I uh, trying to think of your last like re- hope or last like resort yeah you don't resort. like no one moves to Chicago yeah I'm gonna go to Chicago be a prostitute right. like usually it's, you're into drugs alcohol like your life is just and if you do have somebody that like tries to find you to get the police to really put forth any effort yeah the care there's a whole new yeah. like obstacle you gotta go through because they're just gonna say oh she's addicted to drugs yeah she's she might not even be dead she could yeah. just ran you know yeah there's a lot of shit going on in chicago yeah so uh they have, they have two baseball teams <laughs> the two the cubs and the uh bears right or white Sox, <laughs> cubs and white Sox. uh you looked at me like i confused you <laughs> i was so mad he oh, said bears were... that's football yeah <laughs> I, I thought I thought you looked at me like, well, now I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like everything I thought was true is now wrong. Uh, the Michael Jordans. <laughs> yeah. So the Ripper crew, uh, they were also known as the Chicago Rippers. Uh, they were a satanic cult, kind of. Uh, composed of the leader was Robin Gecht. Not AJ? Not AJ. Uh, I, had, I had AJ in my head. Uh, I don't know where you got AJ from. Okay. Uh, and then he had three associates, uh, Edward Spritzer. And then Andrew and Thomas Cocorales. 
They're brothers. They're brothers. So, yeah, these are uh, some real uh, bad apples. Yeah. As it were. Um, they would regularly, <laughs> the group would regularly meet at Robin Geck's place after his wife went to work um, at night and the children were in bed. Like, he had a wife and kids. And they would have little team meetings about, like, not only would they have Jesus. team meetings, but they turned his attic into the satanic chapel. So it was had man an, cave. Yes, it had a <laughs> altar draped in a red cloth. Um, lighting would come from candles. That was the only lighting they had up there. Uh-huh. Uh, and then there was a, along the walls were six red and black crosses. So this is like this they dude's like attic. His kids are in bed asleep. Wife at work. Wife at work. And they would uh, perform, the, so they would, like, kidnap women, uh, torture them, rape them, uh, mutilate them by cutting off their left breast. Yeah, okay, I remember that now. And they Tried would, to forget. Tried to tried forget. To, tried to forget that part. <laughs> you reminded me. Uh, they would always eat the breast in the attic as part of the ritualist, like, of the ritual. Uh, that was part of it. Uh, even if they'd already killed the victim somewhere else, they'd, like, at least bring that yeah. back to the attic. So... Uh, Gact would read passages as each man would take his turn masturbating into the breast. Not gay. <laughs> not gay. All right, it's not gay. <laughs> That's like a whole, that goes past <laughs> any any form of like uh, sexual preference. Uh, once they had all taken their turn, Gact would cut it into pieces, and then they would each consume the flesh. So That they just jerked yeah. off? Yeah, I don't know if they would like mix them up. Like, you know, yeah. hey, that... Hey. That's kind of the least of their words. <laughs> yeah, it at is. This point. I guess with my sick mind, I'm just like trapped. Like, whoa, no, that's where I, 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 that's I, where I, 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 actually, I drew the line way back. <laughs> but I mean, that's like, that's just, I don't. Know. That's that's added to the. <laughs> that's so line weird. Drawing. That's so fucking weird. Uh, so the Ripper crew, according to the three, Gross. they believed that Gekt had supernatural powers. Um, they all, so they were dumb as hell too. Yeah, okay. Yep, yep. They all. Just basically agreed that he had power to control them mentally uh-huh. and physically because they're just three jackasses that yeah you know and probably the more of these they get away with the more emboldened they feel and the, you know definitely the more emboldened he feels and doesn't sure. that doesn't cannibalism make you go crazy I can't think it's I mean I think you ought to you ought to already have it there yeah ready to get set off if yeah you be into eating people yeah I thought like eating flesh would I don't know, do something to you I don't think it would all right no I don't think so. I mean, we would have to mess with you a little bit, maybe. But I'm these sure. guys already sound pretty messed. So. I mean, I'm sure psychologically, if you really like started like to let it like hit your like if you started to really think about what you were doing, uh-huh. I don't think these guys gave a shit. So. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. So they said like he was he'd be able to put them in a trance, and that they couldn't have they couldn't have escaped him if they wanted to, which is all just like a way to strike themselves out of this. Oh shit. yeah, yeah. Um. That's probably the shit they came up with after they were caught. Or well, so after they, were, they caught, were caught, they all they basically said that uh, Gact would kill them if they didn't do what he wanted them to do. Um, and one of the, I didn't jerk off all over that. He would have killed me. It'd have been the end of me. Uh, Thomas Cocorella said that being under Gact's will was just like a you have to do this kind of like feeling uh-huh. like at all times. Like that's all you could feel is like I have to please him yeah so um they also all believe that they could hear hidden messages and music so like they were just doing like the cliche yeah. bullshit satan stuff satan satanic cult things. yeah like plus i don't know if they there's a charismatic leader and the, the that guy you know the leader guy and they're just 
you know, probably just lowered intelligence and just bought into all that shit. Yeah. And, like, so how many people do you think it takes before you can actually say you're a cult? Like, is four people a cult? I don't think four people is a cult. That doesn't feel like a cult no. to me. A cult, I would think, would have, like, women involved and kids and, like, it's a whole... Like, I think of, like, a cult as, like, that uh, the guy in Texas, Wake, Waco, Waco. Waco, Texas. Well, uh, then, like, McVay. the dude that we talked about, uh, Timothy, uh, or I don't know if his name was Timothy, the Ann Hill Kids. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember his first name now. But, yeah, like, he had a whole group of people. Yeah. Like, it was different people in a community. These are just four fuckheads who, like, yeah. I think just they probably would have gotten into rape and murder anyway. And then, like, we just, probably that one guy leader guy was like, oh, but also, let's be satanic worshippers. <laughs> right. Hey, as long as we get a rape and kill, you can call it whatever the guys. fuck you want. So, uh, a detective named Warren Wilkos would uh, go to Cic- uh, Cicero Avenue. He would talk to prostitutes and pass out flyers with uh, details about the van that they drove, that they had gathered from. Uh-huh. A couple of the victims got away. We had talked about the first part of the story. Uh, yeah, the had- one girl cut herself and they let her go. Uh, yeah, like for they decided to just throw her out. Yeah. Um, and then they had, the one they had thought was dead. And the, she wasn't. But she wasn't dead. So, like, they had a couple victims that had some details they could give, but, like, neither of them had a lot. But, but they, still, the more victims you have with little bit, little bit, I mean, yeah, it does add up. Circum- circumstantial substantial stuff will start to add up. So, the Chicago police eventually located the van um, on the 20, 2900 block of North Central Avenue. Sitting behind the wheel uh was a red-haired man that did not fit the description given by Beverly Washington, who was one of the victims. Who and the whole lived. van's all like, they had the wall in the back they with all that built shit. a divider. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, like, the whole back was like a torture Yeah, room. so if they do get pulled over, I mean, that's going to be hard to explain. Came like that, I don't know. So they walked up to the van, they looked around inside it, and yeah, they see all that shit. Yeah. It's just like she described it. So the driver was Edward Spritzer. Um, when questioned, he said the van belonged to his boss, Robin Gecht. And when they asked him where he was headed, uh, he said that he was heading to meet his boss at an apartment that they were remodeling. So they followed the van there. And Spritzer asked Gek to come out, telling him that there's some cops here that wanted to talk to him. Oh, sure. I'll be right out. <laughs> well, so Robin Gek comes out, though. And as soon as he walks out, the officers are like, that's exactly who was described. Uh-huh. Like, that's the exact dude that she described. Um, he was even wearing the exact same shirt and boots that she described to uh-huh. him. Uh but he was, Gact was super calm. He acted like this was just, he was completely. Like an innocent man, probably. Very innocent. Yeah. Yeah, so they actually were like, oh, this could be a huge mix-up. Like, yeah. So they tell him uh, that his van, um, the description of his ban- van had been given to them about a potential crime. Uh, and they informed him that he was going to have to come down to headquarters for some questioning. And he was like, yeah, sure, let's go. So, while they're doing that, uh, they have techs search the van. They find a pill, um, which they end up finding. The lab ends up concluding that this was a uh, sedative tablet. Uh-huh. So, and they had tried to force pill. They had forced pills down uh, Beverly's mouth. Uh-huh. And then that's when they just threw her out after they had. So, they might have thought they were going to, like, kill her through that. I don't know. Maybe they thought oh, if they yeah. put enough sedatives in her, she would, she just, would just die. She would just die. Especially after cutting herself and getting her. One of her breasts cut off. Yeah. So they pretty much start to dig into Rob, uh, Robin Gecht. Like they th- they, they're pretty sure this is their dude, so mm-hmm. they start digging into him. They find out that two years before the murders began, uh, he had been arrested and charged with uh, contributing to the sexual delinquency of a 14-year-old girl. 
Which, it's a real piece of shit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what that means, uh-huh. uh, but it's not good. Yeah, he probably had sex with a 14-year-old girl. <sighs> well, contributing to the sexual delinquency. So I don't... That's, yeah. It's just not good. Um, at the time of his arrest, he was living in uh, Hanover Park, which is around... And the same time he was living there was around the same time that uh, victim number six, uh, Shuey Mock, had disappeared from that area. Mm-hmm. When they dug a little bit further... They un- uncovered that he had molested his own sister as a teenager. Um, his his family sent him to live with his grandmother for a while after that. Uh, and when they first talked to him again, he was very easygoing. He was agreed to talk to him. Um, and they were kind of only asking him questions about the van. Uh-huh. And they let him go because they didn't have anything to really hold him on. Yeah. Then a few weeks later, they come back to talk to him for follow-up. And this time, he has a lawyer ready. And he's not... He's not, he won't talk to him. So the police interrogate uh, Edward Spritzer. I mean, like, lawyers take a bunch of shit. But, like, imagine being the lawyer for this fucking guy. I was actually going to, like, that was a thing I wanted to talk about. Like, how do you, like, what do you do with that information? Yeah. Well, like, I don't know. What's he going to tell? What's, you know, like. But just, like, once the lawyer hears the charges against him and just, right. like. Jesus. And then if you know there's evidence. Yeah. Then you just, like. Yeah. How I don't know how defense lawyers exist do it for the money something i mean you know there are some people that are falsely accused sure so, yeah yeah like yeah. i'm glad there's lawyers out there that fight for those i'm people. sure there's some people like this that you can look at and be like oh yeah he's a piece of shit uh so yeah the police interrogate edward spritzer for hours and he finally breaks down and starts to confess he actually gives a 78 page statement so he's just like i'll tell you every <laughs> every detail uh it was apparent to the officers that he was very afraid of Robin Gecht. Um, the first crime that Spritzer admitted to being a part of was when Gecht shot the two men at the payphone. Yeah. Which, by the yeah, we forgot to kind of throw that in. They, decided, he, they were just hired for murder. At this point, they decided, hey, we're already killing people. Yeah. We might as well get paid for this. Oh, yeah. So they had hired themselves out as murderers. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, they shot two people, killed one um, in like a drive-by execution. So Spritzer then confessed... Uh, that when he was driving the van and Gek told him to slow down as they would approach a prostitute, uh, Gek would get her to get, get in the van and have sex with her. They would usually park in an alley, uh, and Gek would proceed to cut the woman's breast off. And they would, you know, do the thing they do. Yeah. So, rip them. Yeah. Um, he said that Gek, sometimes when Gek would slice off a woman's breast, it would like, get Gek so excited that he would just like have to start having sex with it immediately. Yeah, the wound you said sometimes. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Um like sometimes he said they couldn't like Gek wouldn't be able to wait to get back to the like they he yeah. would have to do this before they even got back to the apartment. Uh-huh. Um so then he talked about the time Gek had beaten a woman to death with a hammer. God. And he actually threw up at the side of that he says. Yeah. Uh uh, Spritzer said that it took a while before he could remove a breast himself. You got to build up to that. (laughs) Even though Gecht would, like, urge him to do this. Yeah. Uh, Spritzer confessed that he wasn't sure if the woman was dead when he removed both of her breasts, and he said he didn't try to find out either. After he he removed them, though, Gecht then forced him to have sex with the gaping wounds. God. Like, I don't care how afraid you are of a guy. Yeah. Like, just... You're you're into that or you're not. They're not, like... Yeah. Uh, 
He told the investigators that while the murders were, murders were going on, uh, Robin Gecht was always in a state of utter bloodlust. Uh, he described how Gecht hacked a woman's breast off in an alley while she was still alive. Then after, again, just the same shit. Like, he would have sex with the wound. Um, the woman would be screaming. Blood would be gushing from the wound. God. And he would just be like, this is awesome. Yeah. Um, Fucking animal. And then he says that after. Monster. Yeah. He says after he'd finished, yeah, like, uh, one woman, Gecht grabbed an axe and just beat the woman to death with it. Like, just a fucking... Like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? <laughs> um, in all, Spritzer confessed to being a part of seven seven murders. Uh, while Spritzer was confessing, Robin Gecht was in another interrogation room with his lawyer. Uh, he was still very calm, just collected, just, uh-huh. you know, nothing, you got nothing on You didn't know me. about the book that fucking Spritzer <laughs> right. was writing. So, using the information from Spritzer's confession, the investigators pulled pictures of the seven victims and placed them on the table in front of Gecht, and he denied that he knew, he had no idea what this was, uh-huh. who these people were. Uh, so then, trying to rattle him, uh, they took Gecht down the hall and showed him Spritzer, yeah. while Spritzer was, like, confessing everything, uh-huh. and Gecht played it off, like, this didn't, it didn't affect him at all. He's a psychopath. So, I mean, I could yeah. easily see him being able to just play that off, and he so, doesn't have real emotion. So, while he played it off, uh, inside the room Spritzer was in, though, uh, not quite the same story. Spritzer sees Gecht, uh-huh. see, looking, seeing him, and he turns white as a ghost, and he suddenly changes the story. He says that Gecht never actually killed anybody. Uh, uh, he starts talking really, really fast, takes back his confession, he I mean, says, that sounds a little bit like a cult leader. It's a small cult. But if you get a guy to act like that just from seeing you, that's... It's a little... You yeah. got some control over his mind. Uh, he starts to say that actually, no, it was all um, Andrew Cocorales. He killed everybody. Oh. He's the one that did it. So... Give me that confession back. I gotta erase some stuff. So the police then go to Gek and they go, hey, so who's this Andrew Cocorales? He says that uh, Andrew works for him, and here's his address, but he denies... Anything about murder. Uh-huh. He doesn't know anything about murders. That Coker Alice did them. Spritzer did them. He did them. Doesn't know anything about that. Uh, unf- again, they don't have anything on Robin Gecht. Not really. Yeah. So they let him go again. Hearsay. Yeah. Um, so a few weeks later, um, they take a picture of Robin Gecht to Beverly Washington. and the ho- She's in the hospital still recovering from the injuries. Uh-huh. And she immediately picks Gecht's photo. Out of the like, you know, photo, yeah, photo lineup, sure. Yeah. Um, so since Robin, so hopefully Gecht, that'd be enough to arrest them. That's you still got to get some evidence to, yeah. you know, because she could be confused. She could be. Yeah. It's not gonna hold up. Yeah, it's not enough to hold. But it's them. definitely a. All right, we're in the right. We're going in the right yeah. direction. And they can only charge him once, because I mean, yeah, you know, if they charge him and he gets away, then double jeopardy. They can't charge him again. Yeah. So, so they're gonna make sure they know what they're doing. Uh-huh. So uh, with him not talking though, the detectives decided to start speaking to people in his life that they uh, knew that wasn't involved in the crimes, but they were hoping to get some information from him. Um, in his younger years, Gak had asked girls he was dating to let him stab them with pens in the breast while they had sex. Um, when they spoke, what the fuck? <laughs> like this was his thing. Like I don't. <laughs> When they spoke with his wife, uh, she admitted that Gecht had gone further with her, actually slicing into her breast with a knife. Um, she said that her husband did this to her against her will, but she just never reported it. Yeah. Um, I'm sure she was terrified I'm of I'm sure, him. yeah. Yeah. She was probably, yeah. I mean. There's, never, there's no way she's going to the police. Like, yeah. 
Because she, I'm assuming she knows her and her kids are dead. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like I don't think this guy's gonna give a shit that there's there's kids. Um, Jeez. So the detective spoke with people from around the neighborhood that knew Gecht, um, and it not only did like Gecht's crew fear him, but it kind of seemed like everyone feared yeah. this guy. Like everyone, like just had some like fear of him. Um, everyone basically told the police that Gecht had some sort of power. Yeah, that he was able to kind of look you in the eye and make you do what you wanted, what he wanted well, you I mean, to do. He sounds batshit crazy, and I mean, I, I when I see people that are batshit crazy, I'm always like a little leery. I mean, it definitely you know, makes you a little and... like it changes how like it changes how you would normally act. Like yeah, to, yeah, because yeah. I mean, you're on kind of edge and just I'm just going like a defensive mode or right. something. I don't know. Uh, one individual told the officer uh, to never look in the to never look into Gek's eyes. Uh huh. Because then he'd be pulled into like there's you know these people are looking talking about this guy like he's like a witch doctor like a uh, shaman of sorts. Um, so knowing that they had the right man or men like the crew at this yeah. point, they start digging into the entire background of the Rippers. Um, in '81, Gact had rented, rented a room at the Rip Van Winkle Motel, which was where they had found the body of Lin- Linda Sutton. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh. I the, love the name of that hotel too. By the, the way, the Rip Van Winkle Motel. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, that seems it sounds like a lot more fun shit should be going on there. Right. Not so much murder and this right. stuff. Yeah, like it should have a fun theme. Yeah, the Rip Van Winkle. Yeah, but it is not. Nope. Uh, they actually have changed the name like four times. <laughs> um, it's called the Not, not the Rip Van Winkle. <laughs> it's called the. We should really just tear this place down. Yeah. Uh, Won't get killed here in three <laughs> adjoining rooms were rented by Edward Spritzer and the Cocorales brothers when Gact had rented a room there. Uh-huh. Uh, and they were able to find this out because the Cocorales brothers had their mail forwarded from this address when they all moved. So, like, they were apparently just living in this hotel. Uh-huh. What kind of mail were they Right. Uh, while speaking to the manager of the motel, they learned that he remembered the men pretty well. He said that they had really loud parties, and he believed they were involved in a cult. So maybe that's where the cult thing yeah. came from, um, saying that they were some kind of cultists for sure. And they said that the men would frequently bring numerous women back to the rooms. Mm. So Plus that dude's attic, too. I mean, And then, yeah, he's, then they've got the whole clubhouse in the yeah. attic. Uh, it didn't take long for detectives to break Andrew Cocorales under interrogation. He started talking immediately about the women they'd kidnapped and murdered. I'm sure the three of them are pretty weak outside of... Yeah, if you can get them away from Gek. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and his details were like lined up perfectly with the uh-huh. coroner's reports, so they were like, "Okay, he's this is the real deal." Uh, he talked about how they kidnapped women to rape and torture them. He said they would routinely all carry knives, but they would also use razors, uh, tin can lids, ah, and can openers to mutilate the women. Just whatever they had, whatever they could find. Where the fuck would they plug can openers in at? <laughs> this is the eighties. Oh, okay. We didn't have electricity in the eighties, Joel. Uh, <laughs> he went into more. That's de- fucking awful, though. Jesus yeah. Christ, these guys yeah, like are- ten cans. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, he would go into details about how they used piano wire to amputate the breasts of some of the women. Uh-huh. Um, and then he confirmed that they would take turns masturbating into the breasts before eating parts of them. Uh, in total, Andrew Cocorales admitted to being part of eighteen murders. Damn. Yeah. Including uh, Lorraine Borowski and Rose Beck Davis, he described the rape and murder of Sandra Delaware in detail. 
Uh, Cocorales said they had shoved a rock in her mouth to keep her from screaming while they attacked her. They forced a wine bottle into her vagina to make her bleed, and then they stabbed her body with a knife, uh, and then they strangled her to death. How do you get so hateful? No idea. Like, yeah. just no idea. And, like, how four people, even if one is, like, a complete fucking psychopath and yeah. has some control, how do three other, uh, like, human beings, all three of them are able to just be like, let's just do this shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, not a one of them was like, fuck this. Like, I'm out. Yeah. At a certain point. And maybe at the beginning they were afraid of them, you know, but, I mean, obviously by the end they're... Fully committed, yeah. all of them. Yeah, like, I don't care what kind of power this guy had. Like, yeah. they're all just as, like, terrible as he is. Um, just to flick that much pain, and God, I just can't even wrap my head around that. So that was Andrew Cocorales. Uh-huh. The other brother, Thomas, uh, he gave conflicting statements, and he really couldn't stick with his story. He was kind of all over the place. Uh, he was given a polygraph test, which he failed. So then... Um, with the other confessions and Thomas Cocorales' failed polygraph results, he decided to go ahead and like make a real confession. Uh-huh. So he told the detectives that he and the other men would take the women back to Gex's place, where they had a satanic chapel in the attic. They would rape and torture the women. Uh, they often used knives and ice picks to mutilate women's bodies. And then the breast was usually removed with a wire garret. So like all the details are pretty much known because of these dudes. Yeah. They're just like, here's everything. I'm um, sure they probably... Got, I mean, I would imagine they got offered some sort of, hey, if you, you know, we hear it from you, maybe you won't get to death. I yeah, don't know. Yeah. But I'm uh, sure, like, we'll go easy tac- on you. Police you... tactics. Yeah. Just, we know you're not the leader, so tell us, you know, about what happened here. And... Uh, he would also confirm about the masturbating of the breast and then eating it as part of, like, a communion, like you do, like, Catholic <sighs> the wafers. Um, that is just. And then he said Gek would save the breast in a box. And at one point, there was 15 of them in there, of the bo- in the box. Like, just a box of breasts. Just a box of breasts. All right. Uh, during his taped confession, Thomas Cocorales admitted to being present during three murders, including the murder of Lorraine Borowski. Uh, Elmhurst Police Detective John Miller, who had sat with Cocorales during his, during his confession, said, quote, I've done many homicide cases, and I've never heard of anything so horrendous in my life. Uh, he talked about raping the women, stabbing the women, having sex with the knife wounds, cutting the breasts off to leave what he called a Robin's mark. So, yeah, this guy was basically like, this is the, like, the most worst awful of the shit. worst, yeah. yeah. Um, so the police executed a search warrant on the homes of all the crew inside Gex's attic. They found the Satanic Chapel. They also recovered a rifle that would match the Raphael Torado shooting. So... So they at least get him for that. All four men are arrested and charged. So we're going to start with the trials trials of Robin Gecht. Uh, first trial, he tries to avoid it at completely. He uh-huh. declares he's insane. Yep. Which, you know, there's a little bit of evidence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> However, he was evaluated by numerous mental health professionals, professionals, and they determined that he's competent to stand trial. Uh, but his first trial would end in a mistrial. So, fortunately, though, they were able to have a second trial begin on September 20th, 1983. Uh, the prosecution laid out their case against him being the leader of this crew. They presented the court with the recorded evidence found in the Satanic Chapel. Uh, recovered evidence, not recorded, sorry. Uh-huh. 
So, uh, including the rifle used in the Rafael Torado murder and the trophy box that held the female breast. So, like, they found that box. Wow. Which has just got to be just that's a it. fucking horrific That's thing the end of the fucking trial, right? Open, yeah. Like, like, after that, I'm like, all right, well, he's guilty. <laughs> uh, the jury told the jury was told that the crew's mo was that they were kidnapping that they would kidnap the woman hold her uh torture her with needles knives and ice picks they would gang rape her and then they would slice the breast off that for the men to use during a ritual and then they would brutally murder them uh the prosecution called numerous female witnesses who took the stand and testified that gecked had inflicted wounds on their breasts and had asked them to cut off their own nipples for him. So, uh, not one of the other men, not Edward Spreitzer or the Cocorales brothers, would take the stand against their leader. Um, they oh, all wow. recanted ever saying any that Gecht had anything to do with it. Man. They all recanted. So they obviously didn't get any sort of... So, yeah. So, you know, like leeway from the police or... Yeah, they get nothing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is what they deserve. I mean, right. it's good. Uh, I'm surprised they didn't roll over the snitch just to try to help to themselves. try to help themselves yeah. out. They were probably afraid that somehow he was going to talk his way out of this, yeah, and get them out of it, and then, like you know, who knows what the fuck he would do to them? Yeah. So he is, he actually takes a stand in his own defense. Oh wow! <laughs> um, it's always the it's always the biggest psychopath that yeah, like, just cocky. They think the smarter than yep. you know. Um, they can control everything, even though when he's obvious, he's not in control of any of this. Yeah. But he still he control like, these three idiots. Uh, the three so stooges. Up until this time, he had denied being a part of any of the attacks. While on the stand, though, he confessed that he'd been involved in the attack on Beverly Washington, uh, the one who lived. Yeah, he insisted though that he had never killed anyone, and he had never been involved in any of the murders or rapes. That box of brass that was in the house in my attic. In. Yeah, it was already there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so his defense told uh, his defense. He told the jury that he hadn't even known the other men during the time that the murders had happened. Well, I barely, I don't even know yeah. these guys. Who are these guys? Edward, 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 what? <laughs> you know, uh, since the other members refused to testify against Gecht, the police had no direct evidence against him. So he was only charged with the rape, battery, and attempted murder of Beverly Washington. The jury found him guilty on all charges, and he was sentenced to 120 years in prison. He will be eligible for parole in 2022. What? They they didn't get him for the murder of the guy because they found the rifle? Couldn't get him for... The only thing they get him from was the rape, battery, and attempted murder of Beverly Washington. What about the other three guys? We'll get to them. All right. But that's all they could get the leader for. So, uh, 2022, he will be up for parole. He's still alive. He's still in prison. So, you just blew my fucking mind. <laughs> I can't even. So, though, like, the 120 years, though, sentence, like, yeah. so they all know he did this. Yeah. Like, this is, like, one of those things where, like, we're still going to put you away for a long fucking, yeah. like, you're you not know. getting out. So that, yeah, I mean, I would say. God, I wonder if he's, like, in protect, protective custody in prison. I mean, I can't imagine inmates, you know, knowing what he did to women. Who the fuck? I mean, yeah, I mean, at this point. So twenty this eighties he's got he's got to be f- close to thirty back then. So, so probably like sixty five, seventy now. Yeah, so. All right, so someone kill that fool. Yeah, I mean I don't see him getting out next no, year. I hope not. 
Uh, we will. Def- I will definitely we'll be, be there. there. We'll be following along though to yeah. see. Like that'll be interesting. Um, so now Thomas Cocorales, his trial. Uh, he tried to have his confessions thrown out, but he lost the motion to do so. Uh, he was convicted of the rape and murder of Lorraine Borowski. He was sentenced to life in prison. Uh, after the judge threw out the prosecution's death penalty sentence, uh, Croker Alice chose not to testify, but he spoke and denied any involvement in the crimes he was charged with during sentencing. In 1986, the state appeals court reversed the guilty verdict, citing legal errors in the original trial, and they granted him a new trial. So a year later, uh, Croker Alice pled guilty to the murder of Lorraine Borowski and was given a 70-year sentence. In 2017, he came up for parole, and author- authorities tried to have him committed as a sexually violent person, which would force him to stay behind bars. Uh-huh. Uh, for this to occur, they had to prove that it was substantially probable that he would commit more acts of sexual violence. They referenced that he had admitted to more devious rapes and murders since he had been in prison. Uh, and then in a taped interview in 1982, he details what had happened to Shui Mock, one of the victims including the part that he played in her rape. Over the years, he's also confessed to being part of other rapes and murders carried out by the Ripper crew during interviews with mental health professionals, prison officers, and press. Psychiatrists evaluated him in 2017 and determined he was not sexually violent. What? He was released from prison after only serving half of a sentence. Get the fuck out of here. He must register as a sex offender as long as he lives in Illinois. Uh, Detective Warren Wilkos, Wilkos spoke about the release of Cocorales, saying he didn't have strong opinions on it, but he said about Gecht, someday coming up for parole, and that it would be a whole different thing with Gecht. Because Gecht made Manson look like a Boy Scout. Yeah. But yeah, so one of these dudes... Is out. Is out right now. Uh, yeah. He has to... He registered as a sex offender That's in Illinois. crazy. So now his brother, Andrew Cocorales... He was first brought to trial for the rape and murder of victim number nine, Rose Beck Davis. He confessed to abducting Davis with the other members of the crew, saying that they had forced her into the van and beaten her with a hatchet. Uh, The jury deliberated for over three hours before finding him guilty of rape and murder. He was sentenced to life in prison. He was brought to trial the second time for the rape and murder of Lorraine Borowski and Rose Beck Davis. Uh... Well, I don't know how it'd be. I don't know how he would get twice for the same victim. So this one, I think, was just for Lorraine Borowski. Uh, he confessed to the rape and murder of Lorraine Borowski uh, during police interrogation, but he recanted his confession before trial. At trial, he insisted that he had never raped anybody, he had never killed anybody, and the police forced him to make those confessions. He's just a good boy. Well, it sounds like the only evidence they really have are these confessions. It, I mean, yeah. Like, unfortunately, yeah. not a lot to go on here. Ah. Uh, Prosecutor Brian Tellender went through each confession with Cocorales on the stand. He, he had confessed to six separate detectives and two prosecutors. Uh, the prosecutor asked why Cocorales had given the same statements over and over to each of those people. He said that the police had fed him the information, and they had beaten him, and they had forced him to repeat what they wanted him to say. Uh, Detective Warren Wilkos was called by the prosecution to talk about the confession that Cocorales had given him. He said that he had shown an array of photos to Andrew Cocorales of women, and Cocorales was the one who had picked out the picture of Lorraine Borowski. And had said, that's the girl Eddie Spritzer and myself killed in the cemetery. Mm. 
The jury took three hours to decide if they believed eight separate individuals had forced Coker Alice to lie or if he was now lying on the stand. They determined he was guilty. During sentencing, Coker Alice stuck to his not guilty plea, claiming he had nothing to do with the attack. Again, no one believed that bullshit. <laughs> and he was sentenced to death. Oh. He appealed several times and lost. Uh, then he changed the story again to the last minute. He claimed now he did rape and kill those women, but he had been suffering from a schizophrenic break at the time and didn't know what he was doing. So now with new a uh, new claim and a new defense and new lawyers, he tried it again. He said that since his original defense team didn't enter a plea of not guilty by reason of insanity, they had uh-huh. done him an injustice and he deserved a new trial. The prosecution and the judge should have ordered an evaluation too, so they were also in error. Uh, while in prison, he was evaluated by psychiatrists. They had, to, they had determined that he was vulnerable to a strong influence like Gecht and had suffered from abnormal behavior, making him not responsible for what he had done. The court didn't think that the normal behavior met the requirements for a finding of insanity, however, so he was executed by lethal injection on March 16th, 1999. Damn. Yeah. So, That's crazy how not the leader got executed, but one of the followers. But yeah, they were like, oh, cool story, bro. You're crazy. Yeah. <sighs> Still going to kill you. On April 2nd, 1984, Edward Spritzer pled guilty to the murders of victim number six, Shuey Mock, victim number eight, Sandra Delaware, victim number nine, Rose Beck Davis, and uh, drug dealer, victim number 12, Rafael Torado, along with numerous rape and deviant sexual assault charges. He received life in sentence for each of the four murder charges. February 25th, 1986, he went on trial for the murder of victim number one, Linda Sutton. He opted for a bench trial in front of a judge to determine his guilt, um, but let a jury decide his sentencing. During the trial, he admitted that he and the other Ripper crew members had abducted Linda as she walked past Wrigley Field. He said they took her to a wooded field near the Rip Van Winkle Motel. Where they were all staying at the time, she was handcuffed, raped, and they removed her breast. And then they all raped her again before leaving her to die. Um, public defender Carol Anfinson represented Sp- Spritzer. And he had a woman. Oh, my God. She presented her client to the judge as an immature, impulsive young man who merely followed orders. She said that uh, it was all Robin Gecht. He's uh-huh. the one that made Spritzer do this. And Spritzer was just scared of his own for his own life. Yeah. Um, friends called to the stand testified that Spritzer had always seemed easygoing. They added that in the past he had He's been never a cut my breast off. <laughs> right. I have both mine, so yeah. I mean he can't be all that bad. Um, another friend rebuffed these claims of the other friends by saying that yeah, fuck that. No, he'd bragged about what he did to yeah. the broads, quote unquote. Uh-huh. Um, he laugh. He said that Spritzer laughed about it while talking about the mutilations and how he had killed them himself. Some of them. So the judge found him guilty of aggravated mur- kidnapping and murder. A jury would sentence him to the death penalty two weeks later. Uh, Edward Spritzer exhausted all of his appeals and sat on death row for years. Uh, when Governor Ryan was leaving office in 2003, he gave Spritzer clemency, turning his death sentence into a life sentence. Mm. On November 16, 1988. Robin Geck's mother, Loretta, uh, his sister, Rochelle, and his nephew, Nicholas, visited him in prison. Uh, Their car was involved in an accident on the way home, being sandwiched between two semi-trucks. 
Loretta and Nicholas died instantly. Oh, Rochelle remained in a coma for four months before passing away. Really doesn't have a lot to do with the story, but I'm like, oh, that's fucking crazy. That yeah. This dude's basically a whole family would. Um, in March of 99, Robin Geck's son, David Geck, was arrested for first-degree murder. Oh. David Geck, son. who was 18 at the time, had shot and killed Roberto Cruz in northwest Chicago. He was, he was tried as an adult and received 45 years in prison. Damn. Uh, Robin Gecht has given numerous interviews over the years. He continues to claim he's innocent, and the DNA evidence will exonerate him soon. Um, this is him talking. First mistake is considering me a ser- serial killer. I'm not considered one. I've never killed or took part in any such acts, nor ever charged of any in, my, in any murders of anyone. I don't, I don't only face the injustices, but the nightmares that follow. You have no idea the pain and hurt and I face and feel every single day I sit here and lose hope. I'm no angel, but I never intentionally hurt anyone, unless it was pr- to protect myself or my family. I could never live with killing or knowing I was responsible for one taking one's life. What the fuck ever. I'm sure he means every word. Don't get word. fucked. Yeah. Uh, Go to the shower room and get fucked. In another interview, Geck talked about his obsession with breasts and how it was an inherited family trait. He said, no, I, I mean, I could see why you would cut off a breast, but I didn't do but it. I didn't do it. Uh, quote, well, in an answer to your question on obsession with breasts, it's a thing with my entire family going back, as I'm told, to my great-great-grandfather. <laughs> Each of us men have married... Who doesn't like titties? That's basically what he's saying. I mean, my whole life I'm obsessed with... <laughs> Each of us men have married large-breasted women. <laughs> my my ex-wife is a 39D, and yes, she was very satisfying to me. As to your question about what having... What the fuck? As to your question about having sex with breasts, I have no real obsession with breasts in that form. Only a very sick person would even think of that. Like, look, my granddaddy was in the titties. <laughs> yeah. My great-granddaddy liked them titties. My daddy, his daddy before him. So, that's the story of the Ripper crew, but there's one more crazy fucking part to the I story. can't take anymore. One, we we kind of like, you. we teased it at the end of part one. Okay. This connection. This is fucking mind-blowing to me. So, the Ripper crew is considered a serial killing group, uh-huh. which is pretty fucking rare. Like, a whole group. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't think of another one. Yeah, I don't know. And, I mean, I know a good bit of murders and true crime and stuff, and I can't think of another group. Yeah, like, there's usually not, killers. like, a Justice League of, like, yeah. or, like, the Avengers. <laughs> the Justice The League. Avengers of serial killing. Uh, so, Robin Gecht, the leader of this group, once, the leader of the pack, vroom, vroom. Once worked in the late 70s uh-huh. for a company called PDM Contractors. The uh, owner, or I don't know if he was the owner, but he was a part of that. He was like a manager there. John Wayne Gacy. Oh. <laughs> so he, The clown guy. He fucking worked with John Wayne Gacy. And John Wayne Gacy, after being arrested and convicted, convicted, had talked about having a partner. He said that he had had someone who he worked with on some of the murders, but he never gave a name. So, wow. Yeah, like, 
there was a young there was a younger dude that had worked for Gacy at the same place uh-huh. that had turned up dead, um, and at the time that death was attributed to Gacy, but then over the years they figured out that Gacy was out of town at that time, so they always kind of thought that if Gacy had an accomplice, it probably was that guy. Yeah. So like they're all there together. Gacy goes out of town. This dude ends up dead. But hey, Robin Gecht's there. Yeah. So yeah, that's, like that's kind of weird. They just because Gacy killed young boys, and Robin Gecht was in the the ladies. <sighs> but I mean, killing I mean, they had killing, a, I they guess. had all grounds covered, I guess. Yeah. But how fucking crazy of a connection? That's is that? pretty fucking crazy. Yeah. Like it's that. Like, yeah. To think like that's a crazy origin story. <laughs> like. So yeah, that's the story of the Ripper Crew. Uh, Damn, fucking I awful. I don't think I took a breath like this whole time. <laughs> just that's awful just insane. fucking shit. Yeah. yeah, like you couldn't think of that if you were like trying to like if you were like I'm gonna write a story. Yeah. about like an evil group. I can't of believe people. only one of them got the death penalty. I know, one dude got the death penalty. And it doesn't seem like they have very much evidence other than like the gun and. The confessions. Yeah, the confessions. I mean, that's pretty much... I don't. I mean, they do say that, that, you know, there's evidence collected in the attic. So I don't uh, know yeah, what that is yeah. exactly. Like, So I don't know if they had any DNA And they didn't evidence. even get the... what well, I can't think of the fucking leader's name because I'm stupid. Robin Gett. Yeah, Robin. They didn't even get him for murder. Mm-mm. For no, rape. Just attempted murder. Well, they got him for rape. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. They, yeah. they got him for rape, not for murder. I mean, I'm glad he's in prison. I hope he stays there. Yeah, I can't imagine. So one guy's out, one guy's dead, and two are still in prison. Yeah. Wow. And Robin Gex up for parole next year. Yeah. So, and then the guy that they got the life, the death penalty for, though, I think he was the one that had given, like, the details that perfectly matched up with the coroner. Uh-huh. So, I mean, he kind of, like, I think that was him. Yeah. And if not, then it was his brother. But, like, those details had to be what could pretty much yeah. be like you're getting the death penalty like, yeah i'm sure there's stuff like they didn't release obviously to the media and press and yeah you know police the investigations always do that where they keep things themselves so then you know there's ways that you know that they can prove who did it like these people have this knowledge that wasn't released well how do they have that knowledge because they were fucking there right he was there killing these women it's just fucking crazy like no matter i i've watched so many horror movies over, uh-huh. over in my in my lifetime and like no matter what is created by by humans, we can never create yeah what is actually happening yeah like like when I think horror movies, I think there's monsters with like supernatural powers like like that's just that's horrific. It's like just to think it's just people yeah just four dudes in a van just that's how evil people can fucking be man yeah like not like it's too like obviously it's fucking awful to rape and kill somebody, but to then. Just torture Go even further yeah. than that, and like to terrorize that human being, and just all the the, the pleasure they got from it. Yeah. Jesus so, Christ. uh, yeah, probably good thing we're taking a week off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Joel, uh, do you have a feel good? <laughs> Play that music. Feels good. Okay, good luck with this one. Well, the feel good is that story's over. Yeah, that is. That's a- it. And now I'm gonna go home and just cry. That is a pretty good feel good. Hopefully, one of the feel goods uh, next year sometime will be uh, Robin Gecht's denied parole. Yeah, so and we'll dies. Be, we'll keep an eye on that one. 
Now, I do have a feel-good. All right. A little bit of a feel-good. Made me feel good. Uh, headline, Washington man arrested for allegedly stealing 400-pound slide, mounting it the child's bunk bed at his home. <laughs> dad of the year That's just being is a what dad. I see, yeah. A 400-pound slide? The detective who discovered the slide had been investigating reports of stolen catalytic converters. Okay. <laughs> right. Uh, he, the man stole it from a playground and put it on his child's bunk bed in his mobile home. How does it fit? Well, he, uh, Dustin Allen Bushnell, 30, at Burbank, he was arrested. When they went to his home to investigate the catalytic converters, they saw the slide. He'd cut off the top <laughs> to, like, fit on the kid's bunk bed and painted it. Okay. And they even have a picture of, like, the kid on the slide the with this bunk bed. Like, hey, we just arrested your That's dad amazing. and took him to jail. This guy had to have been on meth. And yeah. it's just like one of those deals where like the kid was like, Dad, you know it'd be cool? He's like, what'd be cool? What'd be cool, kid? Let's do it. do it. What do you want? What do you want? He's like, what if I could get a big slide? What if you could get a big slide? I gotta steal these catalytic converters first. I mean, it's kind of like a heartwarming story. It is a little bit. Like, I mean this dude went to great lengths to make He stole a four hundred pound slide. First of all, I don't know how yeah, like how, how he did had he meth string? Yeah, was there like meth a string? Did he have his like uh, cult with him? Is that what they did? Right. Yeah, he has his own. <laughs> he had his van. He said, "Yeah, he's uh, he's been the detective Julie Lee had been investigating reports of stolen catalytic converters, and it led to the house of Bushnell. And they they executed a warrant, and they found a gigantic slide <laughs> as well as the catalytic converters. Oh, okay, well." It, the slide had been taken from a playground in December. He repainted it, sawed off the top, and mounted to the bunk bed. And the kid was quoted as saying, Wee! <laughs> <laughs> That's not really in the, uh. in, the, in the article, but I thought it was funny. Uh, the investigation's ongoing, but I think that's a pretty badass dad, I gotta yeah. say. I mean, you know, like that's... He could have just went and bought that kid some shitty cheap Fisher Price slide. Yeah. Get like one of those metal slides that you put outside and it gets all hot. I call those a suicide. Suicide. <laughs> yeah, it gets hot as fuck. Like your skin gets on the side and it's like, yeah. it rips you, you it off. Like a streak of blood. Yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty good dad, I think. Uh, I didn't realize the catalytic converter thing was like a big uh, deal. I guess because they're easy to steal and you can sell it for. Scrap? I, like the I sold my truck to a guy, uh-huh. and as soon as like we got down there uh, to look at it, he like immediately like slid under the truck, <laughs> and then he came back up and like he, he was, had like, that catalytic converter hard on well, didn't he? He was like, "Well, he's like, uh, I'm gonna have to give you like the low end of the of my offer," and he's like, "The main thing I was you know wanted to get was catalytic converter, and yours isn't in there." Did you even uh, know you were missing your catalytic converter? I, yeah, because the guys I bought it off the truck off of uh-huh. and like changed shit around. So oh, okay. I knew. So, but yeah, he like he still bought it because he still uses it for parts. Yeah, like, he still strips them down. But that's what he said. He's like, he said he had quit his job last year, or took a voluntary leave of absence, and he's just been doing this. Like yeah. he's just been like buying junk cars and selling. But he's like, do you have any slides? <laughs> He did have, you know, now you mention it. <laughs> he was dragging a 400-pound slide behind us. I didn't think much about it at the time. No, no. Why would you? Right. I'm like, I'm not here to question your lifestyle, pal. All right. Well, that was a pretty good feel-good. Yeah, feels good. I hope they didn't take it from that kid. Yeah, I know. That's what I was wondering, uh, too. That kid lost his dad and his They're slide. like, here, get, jump up there. Let me get a picture of you on it. All right, get this shit uh, out of here for evidence. Fuck out. They took the bed and everything. 
Uh, all right, well, we're going to take a week off. Yep. Uh, Joel's going to get moved into his new house. Uh, you know, if he if he comes around on you guys and decides that you're not unworthy trash, um, <laughs> we might do another episode. Yeah, and if Josh doesn't have like 17 other podcasts that he has to do, then maybe we'll get back to this one. Hey, I always come around to this one, though. <laughs> right, I always come home to this one, baby. <laughs> and I'll always have you. I always come home to you. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, go... You know, do all the things. Yep. The the you rating know. and the liking and the reviewing and the the rating and the liking yeah. and the viewing. Do all of that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> share it with your like. Tell tell a friend. Uh huh. Tell a friend if you know they like podcasts like this. Yeah. Tell them to Don't mention the other one. Just this one. I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm not going to do it for your for your sake for the for the sake of our. Could you imagine like someone like, hey man, this is a podcast called Middle Asian Mediocre. You'd be like what? Why the name? <laughs> Yeah, what? Well, not, it's more than just that. We didn't have very much foresight going into this. We planned one thing, it led into another thing, but here we are. <laughs> just, I just like how that sound, middle Asian mediocre. We're making it work for us. Yep. So, yeah, you say that. You say, like, hey, I, there's this podcast you check out, middle Asian mediocre. Uh-huh. And then, like, when they're like, oh, what's that, you know, what's that about? You just tell them, and, like, you know, they're going to be thinking, well, that doesn't make any sense. Like, why would it be called that? <laughs> yeah. That has nothing to do with what they talk about. I gotta check this out. And you go, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> check it out. They're jackasses. <laughs> That's us. So, uh, thanks, as always, for listening. And we'll be back in a couple weeks uh, with something, even if it's about murder. Uh-huh. It'll be a lot less horrific yeah. than this. A lot less we murdery think. than this. Yeah. So, uh, until next time, thanks for listening. Yeah. And we will talk to you then. Stay hard.